October 19, 2020. It's the Watt for Pedro Show. Thank <laughs> you. 
for Pedro Show. Happy Monday. Started off with uh, John Coltrane, Miles Davis doing four. Mm. And mm. then uh, shaking. You can hear my guests, people. You can tell, you know, Brother Matt uh, at the Pleasure Point, Love Grotto, a couple miles south because quick Quarantino mode. But mm-hmm. I'm not totally man alone because those software engineers in Estonia with their righteous Skype invention, <laughs> you can hear them. I have Bob Stanger with me. Uh, you're... you're, you're uh, Talking to me from Chattanooga? Chattanooga, Tennessee. Have you been to this part of the South? You know, I've never played the town, but of course I've driven through there. It's a border town, you know, with Georgia and stuff. Uh-huh. And in fact, you got to go kind of slow because there's a lot of turns. It's right by the river. You do. You run into that river if you don't go slow, Mike. Right. But, well, when the plague lifts, we'll make a point of having you and Mike and uh, and uh, what, what configuration down, definitely. Oh, uh, uh, Baguetta plays here quite a bit. We love having uh, Mike down. It's phenomenal. Mike Baguetta up in Knoxville, not too far away. But there is a musician guitar man living in your town, Dick Lloyd, or Richard Lloyd from television. Yeah, we know Richard, yeah. I'm, I'm friends with his uh, brother-in-law, Kevin O'Keefe. Kevin's an attorney up in uh, Manhattan. Yeah, I, I, I know. I, yeah, we, we knew when Richard pulled into town, yeah. Okay, yeah. He was, uh, he's got a great book, Combustible Something. I read it in two days. It's incredible. But even if I he made to... up half the shit, it's still incredible fucking book. Oh, yeah, get this. I know. Friend, I, we have a couple of friends that have been playing with him pretty regularly throughout the past couple of years. But I'm actually really good friends with his, uh, his wife's sister. She's amazing. She's an emergency room nurse and, uh, She's phenomenal. I've known that family for years and years and years. That's why he's in town, probably because of her. It is, yeah. The parents, the parents, the, the her father died a couple of years ago, and the mom uh, actually Dolores is taking care of the mom. So they're they're a great, great family. Really funny. She, think, Dolores, is a hoot, yeah. I think he grew up in New Jersey, according to the book, and a lot of time in Manhattan. In fact, when he's a teenager, Jimmy fucking socks him. I think two, twice in the stomach, once in the face. Uh huh. And then, and then a couple hours later, he's, he's, crying, he's crying in his yellow Corvette, telling Mr. Lloyd he was sorry. There's another story where he fucking, from the city, right, of, uh-huh. San Francisco, 400 miles, he starts off with a sack of clothes in his guitar. He ends up with his just his guitar. He hoofs it the whole fucking way. 
Uh-huh. To like Silver Lake or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, yeah. it's a great book if you, if you can yeah. read it. Well, I think he's living out in a really nice place out in the country, and he's getting a chance to paint and kind of relax a little bit. And we last time we played Big Ears with um, David Greenberger and a group we have that we record with a lot. I think some of the music's on the set list today. Um, we saw television, and that was that was pretty. I don't know. Have you seen that group in the past number of years? Well, like in the book, uh, Richard says I'm not going to play in Tom's band anymore. So I, I don't think he's been with them the last few years. Oh no, no, no. He hadn't been anywhere near them. But but uh, yeah. it was it was quite an animal to see. It had a whole life to itself. It, it was still really got beautiful. Fred Smith on bass, Billy Fika on drums. Yeah, it was it was it was something to see. Uh, they yeah. created a really strong spirit. They were living this big bubble. It was at the Tennessee Theater. It was a gorgeous place for it. And yeah, yeah. Well, I missed the chance to see you guys this year. We were scheduled to premiere uh, uh, the Reverend Fred Lane CD uh, record that he we made. Was on I heard the show. You. He was on the show a couple of months ago. Uh, yeah, that's Fred one reason I wanted to touch base with you because I kept hearing all these great people, and I was like. You know, well, I the really guy, liked the show. Great. I just wanted to make the common denominator known. It was the Shake and Ray Levi Society that brought all these people together. <laughs> yeah, well, I got to tell you, too, Bob. Uh, the man who worked the bass on that reunion, because the Reverend didn't play for, what, 40 years or 35 years? Yeah, yeah. His yeah. name was Evan Livson, and he's made a lot of connects with some fucking avant-garde for me. Yes, good, 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 good. Yeah, Evan, Evan moved down here to work with us and actually to work with uh, Tim Reed, Fred Lane. And uh, he's been down here a little over 10 years. He's a remarkable hey, talent. Mr. Greenberger, yeah. is he a Reed guy? No, Greenberger is the spoken word. Okay. Uh, you might be thinking of J.D. Perrin, the, no, uh, no. the the woodwind player that's on those records, yeah. No, I'm thinking of this cat that uh, me and Mike Begetta shared a stage with in Oaktown, East Bay. Uh -huh. Uh huh. And he was on the reeds. He was with uh, Scott Imandola was playing the drums. Okay. okay. Uh, I, you I'm know the good thing I got to tell you. Sam, yeah. The good thing about Alzheimer's is you always meet new people. Uh, that's true. That's true. You're always we're in the, playing we're the, with new yeah. new groups. You're hearing new yeah. music. We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're in the same boat. We're in the okay. same boat. Look, yeah. I want I want to get into your story, your journey through music. What is your earliest? Uh, musical recollection, your memory, going way as far back as you can go. Chet, Ackle Chet Atkins, Boots Randolph, and Floyd Kramer playing in a magical bubble at the Memorial Auditorium in Chattanooga, Tennessee. That was my birthday gift for my mom, rest her soul. And when I saw this magic happening on the stage, I started playing guitar. And I loved guitar, and I started playing, but I had this cheap-ass guitar, and I, my fingers couldn't reach the uh, the fretboard, so I turned it flat and started bouncing pencils off of it and became a drummer. Whoa. And I've never looked back. <laughs> well, let me talk about the pad you grew up in. Was the town? Pad, well, the pad, the actual... I was in a real simple uh, lower middle class neighborhood, and actually I'm still friends with tons of people from that neighborhood. I worked with a singer-songwriter that grew up across the street with me now, and we've known each other 50 years. I don't know if you've heard of Roger Allen Wade, but Roger has this serious radio program with his cousin Johnny Knoxville every week, and we play these outlaw country music cruises. So I grew up next to this household of uh, four boys, and we fought constantly. They had the first stereo in the neighborhood. And they were playing Herb Alpert, Pete Fountain, 
Johnny Cash and uh, Wilson Pickett. Well, I, so that was that was pumping through the speakers all the time. Well, I'm wondering and, in this pad, was people just listeners or was there instruments? That's when we all started playing music. I started playing music with the four brothers. So there, like there, say, there, there's instruments. Oh, yeah. Guitar, drums, trumpet, clarinet, some piano. And, and uh, we, it was a neighborhood that we just dug in and started making sounds. Now, and the, um, what was yeah, the first thing you jumped on was a guitar. Yeah, and I still love guitar now. That's why I try to play with as many wonderful guitarists as possible. That's what Derek Bailey kind of saw in our organization early on. He, it was it, That was my first love, but it was frustrating. My rhythm on the right hand was good. I was just playing a cheap instrument. I wish I'd still kept playing, but the drums called out to me, and it was something that literally what, kept what, me off the street. What about school? Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? I, uh, choir was kind of rough. They didn't like me much in choir. Uh, and, and I understand why, because I wanted to make sounds. I wanted to explore sound. So the neighborhood we grew up in, it was, it was the very beginning of segregation in Chattanooga, and it was really violent. It was rough and violent. And uh, to be in the band, you had friends of all walks immediately. So um, I, it was one summer that I seriously started playing with sticks. And at that point, if anyone showed me any kind of encouragement, I would put my head to the wall for them. And had a wonderful uh, director, band director, said, look, you can do this. Do it. And uh, all through middle school and high school and into college, I was playing all the time. And then I was playing professionally by 15. I so, dug into it pretty hard. So and you, I was, were, yeah. you were playing a field drum or a snare? Both. I, I, I gravitated towards the snare immediately and, and had to fight to do it, man. It was a fight. So, Nothing so did you switch up when you finally got on the trap? Did you switch over to match grip or did you keep that fucking traditional? I had a really serious teacher, a uh, very generous teacher early on that I took a little few lessons with. And he taught me the traditional grip right off the bat. And the only malformation I have in my whole body, thank God, is a small malformation in my left hand from holding traditional stick for over 50 plus years. But I mean, if I want volume or a different technique, I'll go to match. But now I still play traditionally quite a bit, especially with brushes. Well, and uh, yeah, people, people got to understand when you're slinging that drum over, you know, yeah. like with a sash yeah. or some shit, you got you can't really do match. No, you can't, and that's the whole reason that was taught. If you look at that traditional painting from the Civil, from the uh, Revolutionary War, sure. you know the drummer, the fife player, and the flag. Yeah. That you were taught that kept you from beating your knee to death. Right. That kept the drum in place. Right. And then, of course, all the great New Orleans drummers. I'm studying with a great New Orleans drummer right now named Johnny Vodakovich. Do you know Johnny? I've heard of him. Oh God, you got Mike. Get him on the show, please. Okay. He's phenomenal. Get him He's to phenomenal. Make a with me. Yeah. Why didn't oh, you gravitate? Can I ask yeah. you a question? Why didn't you gravitate to the kit? Um, I was. I thought it was magic. It looked magic to me. It was just this. It was. It was something that I, I really felt I needed to get out of my body. And uh, you know, you listen to funky, funky Broadway as a ten-year-old kid. You want to make people move, you know. And I was a little skinny, geeky kid. My my arms and legs were too long for my body. I, I had a horrible haircut and. I just started doing it, and I started watching people move and react to it. I'll never forget at a rehearsal, I was sitting with these brothers, and I had my head down on the drum waiting for everybody to get the part, and this older horn player came over to me and said, why aren't you leading this group? 
<laughs> so, I think you misunderstood and, uh, me. What I was saying was kick, K-I-C-K. Now, in a marching uh, band, it ain't a kick. You got to hit it with these big fucking beaters. Well, I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to find out how the whole thing worked, and I started out without a hi hat. And I remember getting a hi hat, just kind of freaking out, going, "Oh, great! Now I've got to learn how to play this thing." But the, <laughs> it just, it just, you know, bottom in. You know, this is a bass player, and I'm actually sitting here with a wonderful bassist and engineer, Jim Tate, who is a tremendous, tremendous admirer of your work. He Thank turned you. me on to a lot of your great work. Um, I, I just, you know, bass sounds animate the room. It vibrates and animates space. Yeah. So as a kid, I was feeling that, you know, right. I just knew to stomp it and get going on it. But and, you, didn't uh, to, you didn't want to manhandle it in the band, but, but it's probably fucking heavy to carry. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It all, it still is. It still is. That's why I try to get people to carry it for me, Mike. <laughs> no, no, I'm talking about the marching band. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, it's on your that'll fucking chest, back. right? It's on your chest. Yeah. Here, I yeah, want to play uh, Arngez, Pamgez, Shaking Ray Levi. All right.
hesitating.
off for Pedro show. That was Amgez Pamgez, which is oranges parges. There you go. There you go. You got it. You got not, it. Not punk rock, but pun rock. <laughs> I like that. Satan That's good. Levi's. Pun rock. Then we That's had fun. Guided by voices after that with Dead Liquor Store. Uh, Marky Moon. This is Richard Lloyd playing with television in 1974, making the. Uh, uh, Demos for Brian Eno and that they didn't like uh-huh. later and threw away, and, which was That's good cool. because uh, I think Tom Verlaine did a great job mixing Marky Moon. Deer Hoof after that with Love Lore number five, Kazumichi Komatsu Emery, Silver Apples. We lost Brother Simeon, he's Knoxville guy, uh-huh. way ahead of his well. time in his time. Silver Apples with Dancing God, Sproton Lair. That's Roger Miller when he was a bass player and a much younger man in Ann Arbor. Ashton Brothers cool. told me about their parents letting people come over and have a good time. Mm. Uh, new Air. And then finally, Kitty Buy from Shaken Ray Levi's. So, what about the thing where you, uh, after school, you got the garage band, the bedroom band, the basement band? Did you do that kind of stuff? Oh, of course I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I was always seeking out older players that had their act together that would destroy me in a heartbeat and and teach me what I needed to know. And I had this great teacher at the time. I could sneak into places and go hear him play. And um, before long, you know, high school, like I said, high school was kind of a violent time. We had to make it through. And then I spent about a year traveling, moved to Atlanta and, um, uh, through the Carolinas and Florida, but then I, I started, I was playing professionally all through college, uh, like I say, with older players that would just, uh, they, they'd be, they were phenomenal players, but they would, uh, that's where I learned the most from them. But yeah, I went to the garage, we would play the dances and the whole bit. And yeah. uh, what was your first, I, ca- what was your first trap kit? When did you get it? And how did you get it? I begged my dear, uh, rest her, rest her soul mother, uh, my mom, uh, Dorothy, for a gold sparkle Tempro kit, which I would love to have right now. It sounded so good. Probably paid a hundred bucks for it that we didn't have. I played the fire out of it. And she looked at me, God rest her soul, and she said, Listen, I, I know I know you really want this, but the whole deal, I just want to make sure you practice. And she couldn't keep me from practicing. I mean, I cracked the dadgum plaster in the wall of the room I was practicing all the time and I just loved it. Now, now loved it. practice man alone or did you have guys from after school? Uh, well, like I, was like I said, growing up with next door to the brothers, yeah. I, I spent plenty of time, you know, with the, with the rudiments and the fundamentals, but I always had a guitarist to play with. We didn't have any bass players. I wish we had more bass players, but I had a, I always, I always had a guitarist that would play with me, which is really, really fun. And, and so what, what uh, we, the- we were working on songs right off the bat, and then we were working on original stuff, which was always fun. Yeah, of course. And, Not just and, copying and I'm, records. I'm no singer. I'm no singer, but I've always worked with phenomenal singers. Well, what was and, the first gig you did with that drum kit? Uh, Delwood Junior High School Dance. Tell me about and, it. Yeah, we loaded in. I don't know having. I don't have any idea how we talked. We had a we had a church group that we talked out of a sure column PA system. We had a singer down the street named Barry Anthony who could play. He could sing anything, sang like a bird. And we had to fill up two and a half hours of this dance. And uh, you know, this is pre jam band, but I think we became the first jam band out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, without anybody knowing it. 
And I just remember all these teenagers moving and throbbing and stuff. And we were doing everything we could from Credence to uh, Steppenwolf to uh, uh, Three Dog Night to everything. And it, it was like, you know, you know how it feels when you make people move with that low end mic? I know that's one of the reasons you play that bass. Yeah, but I always <laughs> ask about the first gig because sometimes it's a fucking nightmare. And, you know, it's like skateboard. You just don't. Oh. Oh, no, it was, you know, it wasn't without us hassles. You know, we had people that wanted to hassle us because, you know, being that age, everybody thinks that you're that age. You can't do anything accomplished because you're that age. But it was tremendously successful. Then we had a community center uh, in near the middle school that I went to, the junior high I went to, that we started playing, uh, not regularly, but it was seasonal. And it gave us plenty of time to work and try to get better for the next one. But, uh, no, I've got plenty of nightmare stories that go on from there <laughs> yeah, on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean That's they're all going to be nightmare just because the first one is. But yeah. I, I'm all, I always ask about it because you can only have your first gig once. Now, yeah, now like after a, high yeah. school, did you continue with education of music? Did you go to music college? Yeah, I, I started out at the university here, uh, UTC, UT Chattanooga, uh, as a music ed person, I got a little scholarship money to play, which was good, which helped me out. And then I realized I started looking around and thought, oh, shit, I don't want to be around. I don't want to be like these folks I'm around. So I became an English pre-law major, which uh, has helped in uh, 34 years of running a nonprofit. Because um, my wife tells me I'm a really good writer. Uh, you know, I'm very clear in my writing, su su supposedly. But um, the music part of it, I kept. Uh, well, I started working six nights a week, and then I and and then I was working in an after-hours place called the Fuzzy Duck, which started at three in the morning to seven on Friday and Saturday. So I was working all the way through college, playing six nights a week plus an after-hours place. There was a real cut and shoot. Actually, the first night I was there, somebody shot through the center block uh, building. And uh, the bullet lightly lodged in a guy who was leaning over playing pool. True story. True story. Yeah. I hope Top that. <laughs> I hope, well, I got it. Not this boat, but um, the kind of line I had before this had a bullet hole. In the, now, I wasn't in it when it went in. Yeah. But I, yeah. when I got woke up in the morning, I found it there. So. Ouch. Ouch. You know, oh. What do you call That's... it? It's like a tattoo for the boat. Anyway. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Look, we're at the end of the first hour. October yeah. 19, wow. 2020 edition of the Watt for Pedro show. Hold tight for hour two. October 19, 2020, second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Start off the second hour with Lopez Omem from Shaken Ray go. Levi's and Frank Paul. Oh, yeah. And we had Sam yeah. Bennett from Birmingham. He's been in Tokyo the last 25 years. Still mm-hmm. on the hill. He's drummer man, but he plays this weird kind of three-string guitar these days. Mm-hmm. Mike Rignetta after that with Inspiration Point. He's living in Brooklyn, but I think he's an Indiana guy original. And then finally, the Heroes of... Our horses by yeah, Western Wind. Yeah. Well, you should know, Bob, because you fucking flowed me this. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So, 
tell, tell me about, I mean, f- first of all, who's Frank Paul? Uh, no, we should have uh, shaken Ray Levi's. I mean, that's you and another cat, right? You've had this project a long time. Well, yeah, I, and I'll try, you ask me what time it is, I'll try not to tell you how to build a watch, but Shake and Ray Levi's it, it has been the performing element of the Shake and Ray Levi's Society, and the Shake and Ray Levi's Society is a nonprofit that's been in existence since uh, 1986, and uh, this city is really a beautiful city, but it looked really, really different 20 and 30 years ago where there was absolutely nothing happening. So uh, my good friend from age six was a fellow named Dennis Palmer, who died in 2013. And Dennis is the synthesis and the vocalist you hear on all that, and also the producer of a great deal of the stuff we're listening to today. So we kind of looked at each other back in the 80s and said, man, there's nothing going on here. We really need to create something here. So that's how the nonprofit was born. And then the Levi's were the performing element that were a lot like, you know, a modern day Johnny Appleseed going through the country into the world playing. That's how we met Derek Bailey and uh, all these other different like minded folks. And it turns out a lot of the folks that Mike was Mike Bagutta was working with before he came here, we had worked with over in England. So uh, we, we, we stayed with it and had our you know, noses down and been producing uh, a lot of documentation and a lot of um, you know, records and CDs over the years. Had a re- great radio program for nine years lo- regionally here and uh, just had a chance to introduce the South to a lot of different artists that would never have a chance to come here. So that's the, in a nutshell, that's what we, and we're still in existence now doing a lot, a lot of really different work. Um, but we, we, we learned from working with John Zorn years ago. We had the first uh, Incas Week here, which was Derek Bailey's record label. And uh, John was great to work with. And he looked at us and said, man, you got everything you need right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. But you got to document it because nobody's going to believe it unless you document it. So when I kept hearing your great show, I was going, man, I love all these people. But there's a common denominator here, like with Jack Wright and Tim Reed and Evan, it's like, man, that's the thread. That's the thread of what's going on. And that's why I invited myself to your party, Mike. (laughs) And Frank Paul? Frank Paul is a brilliant instrument builder. He's the best. If you need somebody that can whistle on your next record, you got to hire Frank Paul. But he teaches film scoring in Ann Arbor. He builds amazingly beautiful instruments and we've known frank for a quarter of a century just a brilliant brilliant artist and heroes, he a, heroes and horses heroes of horses is a, a phenomenal project about 14 years ago with my good friend jim tate who's over my shoulder right now yeah. phenomenal engineer great soft group very thoughtful songwriting we had a wonderful friend as part of the group his name was mark trevelyan who's no longer with us and wonderful talent he was part of the big lamb chop enterprise up in nashville all that crew uh oh, just another bass man uh, matt swanson he was in a band called clock hammer good oh, like yeah i like that you know there's yeah. a lot of places to play in tennessee Murfreesboro, even, but even in Swansea, you know, the University of the South, but I just never yeah. played Chattanooga. I want to yeah. play something. Let the little sun beam in. Let the little sun beam in. Let, let that little sun, sun beam in. Open all your windows. Open all your doors. 
Let that little sun beam Let the little sun beam Let the little sun beam Open all the windows, open all the doors Let the little sun beam Let the light of heaven shine
Let's give the G, F, and the E and friends a great big hand there. Very beautiful music tonight. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, we're the Shake and Ray Levi's with Eric Hines. Even though Eric is actually a Shake and Ray, as you can tell by his feet. Okay. Oh, we're fixing to. We just got to get our starter kit going first. Y'all want to play some music? <laughs> okay. I guess I can't help it. Sometimes I get a little abstract. Begin to seem unreal And I get lost in the facts
Lord, someone's got ants in their britches. I like that. Whew. <laughs> That's what did it. A wild shrimp in his britches. Live for Pedro Show. Let a little sunbeam in. Derek Bailey, Amy Daniel. Now, Amy, I know a big uh, connect with Italian. Uh, Amy, okay, you, you corrected me a minute ago. I'm going to have to correct your mic. Okay. Denio rhymes with Ohio. Okay? I know, but the Italiano way is Denio. Oh, I got it. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm a Southerner. I'm a, I'm a hillbilly, well, well, Mike. Well, like you said you did some credence. So you got a song about a Cali town called Lodi, right? Well, it's go. actually an Italian town called Lodi, but it's all oh, right. Gotcha. Okay, got tomato, it. Got tomato, it, got it's cool with me. And Dennis well, you, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just reminding you, you're talking to a steam clean, hill, a steam clean hillbilly today. Look, look, I remember the first time playing fucking in Kentucky in Lexington, Richard Hellstown, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And asking for the street. You know, nobody knew the biggest street. In Rand McNally, it was an orange road, you know, one of the big motherfuckers. Uh-huh. And, uh. I finally showed it to the gas station man. He said, "Oh, Versailles." Oh, because yeah. <laughs> right. I was that's, asking people for Versailles, like some sophisticated yeah. ass. Oversales, oversales, yeah, right? Well, the sun, the sunbeam is really pulls at me. Okay, you know, you, you know a little bit about uh, Derek's history, and Derek became a wonderful friend and supporter. He put us on his record label in 1988 which we were the first American group to be on Incas Records uh, record. The oldest record label operated uh, by musicians in, in Europe. And Derek was a dear, dear friend. And when he died, it was, uh, I think he, I think he died, it was Christmas, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, I can't remember. And for his service, and that was a record that Dennis and Amy put together, really beautiful record as Dennis was recovering from a, from a heart condition, which had so much heart to it, no pun intended. But that that was a song that it was an old songbook from the Mole Singing Convention. And the Mole family was an old family of traditional uh, traditionalist uh, evangelical uh, songbook, and so that that's where that record was sprung from. So the day of Derek's uh, service, it was a typical gloomy day in London, you know, the whole stereotype thing. But when that song was played, the sky parted. And the little sunbeam came into the window that was played for his service, and uh, that that, uh, that gets me today. So that's just part of the significance of that beautiful tune. That's bitching, truly. Yes, sir. Thank and you. After Thank that, you. we had Claire Rockmore, which was one of the proteges of Mr. Theremin with his machine celebrated yes. there. And yes. finally, Shaken Ray Levi's in Killick. Killick, yeah, Killick's a mask. With yeah, shrimp. Shrimp, that's a, I, I gotta that's, say the name here, Bob. Yeah, Shrimp go ahead. bitches. Shri- yeah, you like that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What's that about? Yeah, well, kill, that's the first record I've ever made in my life having inert vertigo. Have you ever had a vertigo? Have you ever had vertigo before? Vertigo, you don't know up or down. You don't know up or down. You don't know sideways. And as long as I kept my eyes closed, I was fine. The moment I opened my eyes, I would be knocked to the side and, and just like knocked to the floor. So we made that. It's a live record we made with Killick. Now, Killick is a wonderful instrumentalist from Athens, Georgia. Great guy. And his, his name was Eric Hines. And so one day he just changed his name to Killick. And I was like, OK, I got to find out. I mean, did you suddenly become Cher or, you know, The Edge or whatever? So um, he's a great instrumentalist. And that was a, that was a place in Atlanta, Georgia called Idrum 
which is a phenomenal organization. You'll play our drum. Once this plague lifts, we got to get you to the South. That's all there is to it. And uh, that—that's—that's that's a be- that that tune has a lot of power the to it. The first time I played Atlanta was in nineteen eighty-three at Six Eight Eight Club. I played oh, there yeah, many, yeah. many, many times. Yeah. Oh but yeah. I haven't played. You ruled, I haven't played I'm sure the you ruled drum, that. Yeah, for sure. I want to play the eye drum though. And, yeah, you uh, will. In fact, the big town of the South is Atlanta. Atlanta's an island in the middle of Georgia. Well, well this and thing this thing here, this shrimp bitches tune, it was yeah. live. Where was it recorded? I drum. I drum. Okay, What's okay. The, yeah. It was at the venue. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, that was a fun record. About how long ago? Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but it's got to be at least 15 years. At least 15. It might be a little bit longer than that. Okay. Um, yeah. Was Fletcher born then? You remember, Jim? It, it, no, 14, no, 14 or 15 years. Yeah. And um, Atlanta we, Atlanta has a strong connection. We have a lot of folks that have followed the work in Atlanta over the years. And uh, a lot of wonderful groups coming out of there right now, too. Still, still to this day. Yeah, I think the main road, right? It's uh, Smyrna, Mar- Marietta. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I got Les Paul signature in the day's before internet, right? They didn't know how much shit cost. So like, yeah. I even got Les Paul to sign this motherfucker. And there it, you and go. Put on yeah. it, uh, keep picking, Mike. And I use fingers, you know. So. I got you. I got you. Some, I got you. some karma right there. Uh, I love it. And, 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 and uh, I know uh, the Reverend, right? Fred Lane, he was telling me, well, no, that was more of a Birmingham thing, right? Where they went to school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was the crew out of Alabama, which is gosh. If you if you have a chance to see I Spit to the Moon, his documentary, yeah, that I saw comes, it. He that, sent it to me, yeah. and also yeah. uh, the 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 drummer man of uh, Man or Astro Man has a great club called Saturn there. Yes, yes, and I yes. think that's where the reunion. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah, and then the Bottle Tree closed, but that well, was that was pretty... his. That was his before that. Yes, got it, got it. That's right. Okay. I th- yeah, Look, you're we're right. at the end of the second hour, October 19, 2020 edition. A lot for Pedro Show with special guest Bob Stanger. Hold tight for hour three. October 19, 2020, it's the third hour of the Lot for Pedro Show.
they climb to the edge overlooking the street. Cows at my back, dog at my side, guitar in hand. I sing to the sundown before sending peace agreements that are kept in a box on a shelf that's easy to reach. The none are gone, the empty, and the stoking wounded. The hand that grasped desperation like a turtle cut in the water. I have not forgotten the memory of your face at first sight. All the long hours spent standing in windows through the night. Watching the sky and the road And however it goes I am only willing always In the name of everything beautiful I don't know if I can name all the seven dwarves. Every time I try, I get six of them and never can get the last one. Well, I can't do them in order anyway. Let me think. All right. Let me think for a second. Um, all right, I'll try it. Genesis, Exodus. Oh, wait, wait, I'm doing the Bible again. Wait. Bashful, dopey, happy, sneezy, dark, grumpy. Oh, I can't think of the other one. I know I did six. I counted them on my fingers. I always get to six and can't think of the other one. Oh, I can't think. But I love to know what it is. I know there's one more, but what is it? Um, uh, Oswald? Uh, uh, Billy? It's gonna bother me the rest of the day. Did I say sleepy? Sleepy! I got it. Sleepy. Sleepy. I should have thought of that because George has been yawning all morning and Jeannie said, stop it or we'll all be asleep. Pedrev show we start off the third hour with Shaken Ray Levi's and Frank Paul again with Luke Garut, then uh, Susan Lowy and Crane doing everything beautiful, and finally 
David Greenberger. Ah, there's your buddy. And Shaken Reed Levi's with the seven dwarfs. Yeah, yeah. That's fun. <laughs> I mean, how, how this this music's improvised. Well, yes and no. With Greenberger, Greenberger likes a foundation of a house for the house to be in. Uh, everything you've heard up to the Greenberger is is totally improvised. Uh, and actually, we met we met David through Frank Paul. David and Frank had worked together, Makes sense. and we've known David well over a quarter of a century. Um, the pieces for like uh, the Seven Dwarfs that's that's pretty much it's it's improvised to begin with, and then it's constructed and destructed. Um, oh, yeah, that like, one has like a lot Miles, to it. Uh, on the corner, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's a nice compliment. Together from yeah. the jams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we, well, we, we set out. We set out with a. We, we, a lot of times we would play. We the music would be set before the narrative came in, uh-huh. and then. And but with that record, I mean, that's, I think that's tramps that go think in the night, which was a fun record. Uh, it's the last record I believe we made with Dennis Full Out. But um, yeah, that one was Dennis had a, a really talent for um, for comp- in, improvised composition together. So that one has some details that moves in and out that I'm really proud of. I'm proud of all that one. That one, that one, that one's pretty good. And of course, these are all conversations with people of advanced age, all across the spectrum of society, which is always really, really rich and fun. Then there's dudes like Evan who are kind of younger shift. Well, you know as well as I do, you got to pull. You got to pull the youngins in. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know. You got to pull the youngins in. If, if they want to be pulled in, if they don't, that's fine. I was a Boy Scout. I was a really good Boy Scout, but I found out most people don't want to be helped across the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I remember the fuck you devos, and then the jocks painting their fucking fingernails. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way humans are. But you look at it. Pat Boone sold way more tutti fruities than Little Richard. Yeah, and I've met Pat Boone. I can attest to that. He's a he was a pretty good guy before he went nuts. <laughs> but I think it was he was kind of embarrassed. I think it was his manager's idea. But when they asked Little Richard about that, he said, "Well, my uh, Pat Boone's version was for the living room. My version was for the bedroom." There you go. <laughs> I like that. That's perfect. Uh, so tell me, this Luke Guru. Hmm. Where'd you get? That's a beef heart. Well, it's an odd to it, but at the same well, time, no. I'm that wondering re- if there was an influence. People like John yeah, French I'll, and Art Tripp. Yes, and once again, yes and no. I don't want to be evasive, but that record was put together. We we just we did a really beautiful artist in residence at MoCAD in Detroit with our good friend Wayne White. You know the artist Wayne White that did all the Pee Wee Herman art direction. Um, we just we just finished a huge project with well, Wayne. I here in Gary, you know who started doing that was Gary Panner. Exactly. Well, actually, where we played, there was a Panner exhibit of all the light shows. Okay, oh, wow. and that was beautiful. So we we were coming, but we played with Wayne at MoCAD in Detroit. It was really really nice. Did did a lot of fun stuff there. And on the way back, we had a chance to do something with our friend Frank Paul. And he's got a great three-level studio there in Wyandotte. He lives in Ann Arbor, but he's got a great studio in Wyandotte, which was the place that they made all the toys, all the tin toys early on. Really beautiful place. And uh, we had one day just in the studio, uh, and we trusted Frank so much. He was such a good engineer and such a good player. And that was the last full record that Dennis made when he was alive. And 
there's a lot going on at that time, a lot of heartache going on at that time. And I listen to it now and I can hear, uh, you know, uh, soul coming through electricity and uh, the use of space and breathing. And I think I play some wind instruments on it, too, and some other percussion that was there. And it just had such a rich life to it. I, I, I like listening to that record when I'm in when I'm, I'm not in a dark mood, but I just really want to hear breathing and space. I'm really proud of that. Yeah. Okay, I want to play Red R Rider. Red Rider, yeah, that's a resonance tune. That's yeah, our right, and, yeah. and it's again with the Killick Cat, uh, Mr. Hunt. Yeah. See you. 
Mr. Eric Hillbilly Hines. He's playing the devil's cousin tonight. It's a mighty lovely cousin indeed. Here we go. One. I was surrounded by teeming populaces. I saw neon high-rises, concrete 
the bag and saw me folded upon the carpet with the mystery maps. She's a pleasant woman in her 60s who wears eyeliner and see-through blouses. She said, oh look, you're doing the maps, that's terrific, we need that done. Soft, contemporary music played on the sound system, a violin and banjo duetted. Toward the front, cash registers rang and senior associates doled out thank yous and have a nice days. The store had a faceless smell that matched the recess fluorescent lighting, a smell of vacuum dust and porcelain polish. I said, yes, I'm actually quite enjoying it. Her attention gave me a free song of excitement. She's never spoken to me in such a personal way before. It was as if a flower opened and we unexpectedly found ourselves together within it, like tiny blessed creatures in a story. She's owned the business for many years and is widely respected in the community. Perhaps when I get a raise in six months, it'll be more than the 50 cents an hour new employees typically receive. Perhaps I could be promoted to help her in the back. I've detected an inchoate sadness in her as she mills about the store. Perhaps it's from spending too much time at her computer worrying over balance sheets. It can't be easy to run a business. Perhaps I could assist her. I really don't belong in retail. I have so much more to offer. I tried to 
console myself with them. I tried to picture amphitheaters, coliseums, and caryatids persisting for thousands of years. I tried to picture myself in clamoring squares, but angry drivers in small cars zoomed by, honking and shouting in strange languages, ordering me out of the way. Statues of soldiers loom marble white against the sky, frowning swords raised in menace above their heads. But it was her face they wore, and the faces of all the others who carry the power to slice my faithless heart in two.
on those tattoos. And he said it, it, he didn't care. He was a paratrooper jumping into Sicily. It was just a form of identification on the body. Uh, you know, it, sure. yeah. 
Yeah. My pop had three. They were scrolls. Two on one forearm, one on the other forearm. One had his name, Dick. Yeah. Uh, my ma's name, Jean. And then on the other uh-huh. arm, Mother. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> like a total... Uh, and they were that weird green and pink kind of. Oh, exactly. Yeah. The colors start to fade and they yeah, never look the really right. Thick. It's just all messed up with right. suntan. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> okay. Red Rider live. Shaking Ray Levi's and Killick. Then Sky Furrow's Foreign Cities brand new. Troopa Troopa out of Poland with Fitz Geraldo. That's a movie. Well, the do- mm-hmm. do- documentary, too. <laughs> wow. Mr. Kinski and Mr. Uh, uh, Herzog. I think it's called Friends or Frenemies or something. Crash and Burn from the Groove Crater Methods, Brother Philip Mammoth. Uh, prologue, which is because we're near the end of the show. This is the last music, but yeah, Prologue. <laughs> what? In a strange way. Tenko, Diana Labrosa, Zena Parkins. Ah, that's a harp player that plays with Nels Klein a lot. Joanne Hetu and Danielle Pilardi. And finally, Catfish Night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Derek That's Bailey Derek. and Shaken Ray yeah. Levi's Big Whaler. And, uh, yeah, Mr. Bailey, incredible. Inspiration to us all. So how do people find you on the Internet, Bob? Well, you can look at uh, ShakenRayLeviSociety.com for the Society's Outlook. And, of course, that? You can... spell that for the people. Shaking, S-H-A-K-I-N-G, Ray, R-A-Y. Levi, L-E-V-I, Society, S-O-C-I-E-T-Y. And uh, that's, that's the a, easy way to reach, see what's going on and, and, and keep dot, going on. Uh, Bob, that's dot .org. Uh, .com. Oh, it's dot .com. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just trying to get it straight for the people. And Thank what, you. And Thank what you. do you got going right now? What's the plan right now musically? I know it's um, not about gigs, but are you recording? Are you composing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't missed a lick, Mike. Uh, When this happened, my wife looked at me and said, you know, you're really calm. And I looked at her and said, I think the world has caught up with my anxiety. So we haven't missed a lick. We're doing a lot of regional recording of a different artist. I work with a great singer-songwriter that we do a weekly uh, Facebook uh, live show that's really, really strong. Um, we're getting ready for a couple of big projects that are taking shape once, you know, we're, we're talking, I mean, the danger is Mike, and I don't know how you are out there, but to not think of, uh, you know, pre COVID world too much, what are things going to look like? Um, we still have to celebrate the Tim Reed record. That's, that's not been fully celebrated. We were supposed to be in new Orleans, um, on Halloween night with that record. So, uh, big ears is coming around again. Ashley's going to revive that in a strong way. And uh, we, we, we're, we have to be very careful with who and how we're presenting things right now. And plus, I do a lot of work with people with physical and mental um, different learning abilities. I don't like using the word dis- disabilities. But I've been working with a program for over 17 years from a West Coast drummer named Eddie Taduri called TRAP, which is the Rhythmic Arts Project. So I'm constantly working with people of different abilities and recording a great deal with my friend Jim Tate. We're working on a lot of different projects. Evan is getting probably getting ready to get married up in uh, Knoxville, so we keep in contact. There's a lot of strong stuff going on there. And, um, yeah, I mean, the nonprofit is quiet right now like everybody else, but there's a lot of stuff that's percolating. And uh, there's something I forgot to ask you. What was the first album you bought with your own money? 
Oh gosh, uh, I think it was Folsom Prison. Yeah, Johnny Folsom. Cash. Yeah, yeah, because I, I love the story of that. You know, all the execs were. You know, we, we, Chattanooga might as well be in Nashville. Nashville might as you know Atlanta might as well be in Chattanooga. So we're just you know two hours up the street. But I, I love the story of that record because you know all the record label was so freaked out that he was going to do that. And I worked with his daughter. I worked with Rosie Carter Cash uh, back in the mid uh, mid eighties. And uh, I missed the chance to have uh, breakfast with Johnny because I didn't want to seem like a, a star hanger on her. But we worked with June quite a bit, worked with June Charter Cash quite a bit. She was wonderful. But Johnny just always left me with that. I mean, he's one of those artists that you hear now and you just think, man, he's not gone. He's right there with you every time you hear that voice. Yeah. But that record just chilled me to the bone. But I remember the cover. And what, and was, I remember, the, and what was the first gig you saw of people playing music live? It was uh, Moby Grape with uh, Steppenwolf. <laughs> All right. I got Moby to see Gra Steppenwolf. Yeah, they yeah. had a, quite a drummer man, Moby uh, Grape. Oh. Skip oh. Smith, right? He made oh. his own record. That's pretty trippy. Oh, yeah. They were ferocious. Yeah, I was third row and uh, have worn hearing protection all my life, thankfully, and have lost no more than I'm supposed to lose. But that was uh, that that the loudest show I've ever played in my life was uh, opening for Government Mule. Have you ever been around those guys? I got to record with uh, Matt, the drummer man. Uh, oh, Matt is phenomenal. And, uh, the guitar, and the guitar man, too. Oh, they're all wonderful. But I they were so from, loud. Uh, they're, uh, they're, they're not from too far from you in uh, Ashland or Asheville? Asheville, yeah, 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 yeah. Think, uh, they were so loud that my do, stomach. Uh, I got to yeah. record a medley of some Creedence songs. Oh, uh, cool. Guys. Very cool. Yeah, very loud. The loudest thing I saw was Deep Purple. Look, oh, Bob, yeah. it's been a great oh. honor to have you on the show. When you Thank get you. some more recordings done during this uh, uh, trippy time, can you come back on the show and we talk about it? I would love you to. This has been a, it's been a joy, man. It's been a real pleasure. Thank okay. you so much for everything you're doing. Okay, big love. People, it's been October 19, 2020. Dishwap Pedro shall keep you powder dry.